Welcome to Solving for B, the podcast that delves into essential topics at the center of branding and marketing. In this week's edition, we'll dig into the foundations of account-based marketing and unearth the exceptional opportunities for business growth. We hope you enjoy the latest episode of Solving for B with Brand Extract. Hello, and thanks for joining us today for the Solving for B podcast. In today's episode, we're discussing account-based marketing. We'll address when companies should use an ABM strategy and what they need to ensure a successful ABM campaign. And to help me break down the topic, I'm joined by brand strategist Leslie Rainwater. Hey, Chris. President and Chairman Jonathan Fisher. Hello. And copywriter freshly back from the ABM Summit in San Francisco, Jared Hobby. Thank you for having me, Chris. Thanks for lending us your expertise today, guys. Uh, So for those of you out there listening who may not be as familiar um, with ABM, uh, can you guys give us a high-level definition of ABM? Yeah, I can uh, start off and take that one. Um, Account-based marketing essentially prioritizes the accounts that are most relevant to your business. B2B marketers employ ABM to really pinpoint and target the accounts that matter most to their organization. So you think about the goals of an ABM strategy. They focus on attracting and engaging prospects at scale, converting them into customers, and measuring progress before and after, and throughout, of course. Yeah, I think simply put, ABM is sort of the opposite of mass marketing. You know, like to think of it as a rifle approach versus the shotgun approach. Yeah, so when does it make sense to use that as opposed to a mass marketing approach? Well, with ABM, you know, it starts with data research, and and so the the when it makes sense is when you have the ability to identify, you know, those candidates and prospects that you're looking for based on a variety of multiples, you know, their size, their age, their life cycle, whatever it might be, um, and so. If you have that ability through data mining of your CRM systems, of list, list acquisition and segmentation work, and profiling and persona building, then you know ABM can make really great sense to then work from a much more targeted list prospect. Okay. So what are the advantages of an ABM program? So... I mentioned earlier that it prioritizes accounts most relevant to uh, your business, but on top of that, it it brings the adage to mind quality over quantity in an ABM context. You orient your marketing spend to real business opportunities. You mitigate the age-old gap between marketing and sales by establishing alignment, and you're able to tie your marketing initiatives uh, back to tangible revenue figures and, and very much drive the growth strategy. So you mentioned the alignment of sales and marketing. Um, can can you in, any of you elaborate on that a little more? Um, so that's sort of an age old battle, right? That sales doesn't know what marketing's doing, and marketing, you know, doesn't always get the information from sales. Um, just by the way organizations run, it's pretty natural. But what this does is it helps align um, a really uh, path forward that requires participation from both, and it's very structured. So um, everybody kind of is on board at their different phases, and then you can track the results. So then there's that positive cycle that goes back, and it just um, really aligns everybody better. I like the analogy, you know, um, when you're talking about sales and marketing. Marketing is lead the horse to water. You know, sales is make them drink. 
But with ABM, you don't have that definition. You know, it's not a, it's not just you know lead them in and then hand them over. With ABM, you have this constant back and forth of touches between sales and marketing in the process. Yeah, so and it's not as loose, you know, of a of a process. It's very structured, so people have the ammunition that they need, they have the tools, and they have a schedule to go by. So everybody is um, on the same page. And you ask the question, you know, what are some of the advantages? Because it's not as loose, and because it's back and forth, it honestly forces that accountability between the groups to work together, and it allows for that tracking that you often don't get when sales teams don't use CRM systems, for example. To complement Jonathan's point there as well, you think about the context of efficiency uh, with ABM because imagine having sales and marketing focusing on the same list. That alone means there is a very accountable and structured approach to business opportunities that are real and matter very closely to the corporate strategy. So it sounds like a an ABM program is feels more more highly trackable. It feels like you can kind of get a better uh, sense of what works and what doesn't and, and kind of keep your finger on the pulse of, of that uh, that effort. Is that is that fair to say? Yes. Uh, you think about the business objectives, right? And, and not to quote, I guess, uh, what could sound obvious, but they need to be smart, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. So you think of an example in the context of measurements and uh, growing an amount of revenue from specific segments as a goal or acquiring business away from your market competition, that, those are, are real measurable uh, foundations on which an ABM strategy can deliver and uh, progress the organization's growth strategy. I mean, ABM can be so targeted that it's literally a custom program per client. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about you know, large accounts. And so you can engineer a program specifically to penetrate a single client. Now, obviously, that client would have to be worth it, right? We're talking usually these are sizable whales of opportunities. But that's one of the definitions of ABM is is going after, you know, large accounts. So so you and it that allows you to, you know, if you're going after one account, for example, or just like a handful of accounts, that allows you to to more um, to put more thought behind your message and to t- really tailor the message. Right. And I think that's the value. And it also, um, it, it, we've mentioned this before, but when you're able to tailor it like that, it also helps you control how much you spend and where you spend it. So you aren't doing that broad approach, and you have more time, effort, and uh, money to focus on really doing those quality approaches and building the content you need and doing the right research for those specific people that you're going after. Right. It's not that spray and pray approach. That, exactly. You know. I, I'd just like to mention one thing that really underpins that the, the fact it's not a um, spray approach. As you mentioned, uh, technology uh, plays a, an important role in the facilitation of an ABM strategy. Technology gives marketers the ability to scale, reaching hundreds or even thousands of accounts while delivering a personalized and engaging experience. And that is not something, you know, marketers have had, uh, say, 20 20 years ago or even maybe 15. Um, It's just come such a long way that we're able to draw in more target accounts, increase website engagement, and equip the sales team with better qualified leads. So technology plays a key part. And to Jonathan's credit, very early in, in, in this discussion, he has already touched on 
platforms like CRMs, and you know you can also think about content syndication systems and technology does play an important role underpinning all of the key points we've we've covered thus far. Excellent. Um, so we've talked a bit about the uh, the advantages of an ABM system, but what are maybe some of the challenges? What are some of the things to look out for um, in an in an ABM program that you know you you don't want to you know fall victim to? So I can start by listing two from an alignment perspective because the marketing and sales relationship is very important in an ABM context. There can be initial pushback from sales over concern of a reduction in qualified leads uh, through their pipelines when it comes to trying to present an ABM strategy. And another one uh, can also be sometimes a sales team won't be inclined to necessarily provide their target account lists or collaborate with the marketing team to create one. Um, and that's kind of, from an alignment perspective, some of the initial challenges that you can face. Yeah, I mean, it, I literally ran across that issue with a you know $100 million company this week in talking with their communications team. Their sales team doesn't want to play nice, you know, which is mind-numbing to me <laughs> to hear that. But, uh, you know, we see that constantly. And I think, you know, if you're a CEO... You know, or a CMO, and you've dealt with that frustration. Um, implementing an ABM program, while it may be a challenge, is usually a real opportunity to get that integration that you've been looking for and haven't been able to drive forward. Yeah, you just you just need to get buy-in from from all parties involved, and I think there's that apprehension from sales that you know they don't necessarily know what's going on so it kind of they might feel like it's it's threatening their job security or you're trying to take my book of business from me but really what we're trying to do is you know what an abm program is trying to do is to um to empower that sales team and give them more like like we've talked about you want to improve their win ratio you want to drive leads that are more qualified maybe even later stages in the qualification process for them you want to support them through the sales cycle you know, as opposed to just handing it off and hoping they close the deal and don't screw it up or forget about it. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that. We've driven 1,500 leads to a sales department once, and they forgot about them. <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> um, Doesn't seem like a great business model. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, they told us they were following up on them, but, you know, we did some homework and found out they weren't. So um, we've seen organizations literally where um, we were working with a company once and their consulting team was squatting on all the leads because they were at capacity and they couldn't fill, literally do any more work. Yet the CEO was sitting here screaming that they were expecting 300% growth. And the operations team was like, forget it. We're not putting any more in this pipeline. So, you know, th- those are some of the challenges that you can run into with this process. Yeah. And also, you know, why don't you talk about data and the quality of data, Leslie? So um, that is absolutely key to this whole program because it's finding those people that you want to touch and then figuring out your strategy going forward. So a key to that, first of all, is to communicate with your sales folks to make sure um, and get that alignment so you can get their list and the things that they're working on and make sure they're using their technology correctly. Um, and then when you do research, it's really important to get, um, you know, a good data researcher if you can, um, you know, this one of the things that's a good key component to really help you build that list. And then you want to keep building it organically um, to ensure, because if you're sending out to just a purchase list or whatever, you're, you are not uh, necessarily going to get exactly what you need back because there's a scientific approach to it. 
You're going to have to scrub the list yeah. as you go, and you can run some testing along the way to help continue to filter the list down. You know, so but if you don't have really good research on the front end and you're not getting the proper inputs on the front end, you might be measuring the wrong things. For example, you might be basing your decisions off, say, the size of sales uh, that an organization does as a target. Oh, they're a hundred million or billion dollar company. They're obviously a target for us. But you may find that the sales reporting is often inaccurate by these companies that collect that sales data. And a better metric might be looking at, say, the employee headcount as a truer indicator of a target for you. So understanding those subtleties is a big part of the process on the front end, and you have to get those right, or you end up marketing to basically the wrong people yeah. <laughs> with the wrong message even. Exactly, and I think you know we've discussed sales, but uh, there's also sometimes a, a missed opportunity to realize early on that it it's not just marketing and sales which get involved and have a key role to play in developing an ABM strategy. You also need to consider uh, the finance department and the operations department because operations can help with facilitating the tech side of ABM, which is a, a crucial uh, basis for effectiveness, and then the finance department when it comes to budget allocation, financial decision-making, and they, they also play a role in, in the ABM picture, as it were. Yep. So we've kind of we've danced around it a little bit, but this is, this is a good segue. What, what are the key components to a good ABM program? Um, Jonathan, you were just talking about uh, a good quality list, good quality intel. Um, and we also talked about earlier, Jared, you talked about um, a, a technology and, and having a, an integrated um, technology stack. Or is there anything else um, that's kind of key to a good ABM program I mean, or a successful ABM program? Let's talk about the list for just a little bit. You know, I think people think of list as a, a singular product, and it's not. You know, there's segmentation that can be done. So you can look at things by life cycle, for example. Where are these people in their purchase decision process? Or if they're within your own customer segmentation. Oh, well, they've bought from us in the past. Where are they in buying again? Or what did they buy in the past? How old did they, you know, long ago did they buy in the past? Is what they bought now aged out? You know, so thinking about your list as sort of a single set product I think is often a mistake that people make. Oh, well, we've built the target list. All targets are now equal. That's not usually the case. You know, yeah. you can start cutting them down. So I think a key component is really understanding how to do the segmentation off of the list once you've sort of built that primary list up. Jonathan's point is, is spot on because creating your list and marketing to it is only one part of the equation. Uh, segmentation is very important to delivering relevant messaging to each segment uh, in a timely manner. And the segments you've defined also need to have separate objectives that your marketing team can create initiatives to support. Uh, I think backtracking a little, maybe you asked as well other other important parts to an ABM strategy or, a, for lack of a better term, foundations. Uh, defining your ABM leadership group at the early stages is very important. Uh, creating your target account list objectives and metrics, we've already discussed that. Um, consistently communicating with the leadership, marketing and sales teams, that plays a big role. You don't want to have gaps that end up widening as an ABM strategy progresses and you know then delays the actual, uh, I guess, action items or plan going forward. 
and evaluating and tailoring the strategy or scaling your various efforts based on organizational needs. Those are the foundations uh, that a lot of us would have to consider when on undertaking a, an ABM strategy. Excellent. And then a, another key component is as you're getting into the implementation then is once you've segmented your list and you've figured out all these things is, okay, what are the channels that we're going to use to reach them? And, you know, you want a mix of them, but it's figuring out how do those, um, how do those targets get their information? You know, what are the best ways to deliver it? And then what are the pieces and then how are they all timed together? So it's sort of pulling the orchestra together and then conducting it. Well, I think you just, you touched on it, but I don't know if anybody heard it. It's timed together was the words you just used. The timing of this program is really critical. You don't want to spread things too far apart. You don't want to obviously jam them up too close to each other. So between the channels, that that pacing, if you will, is a pretty critical component to these programs. Excellent, excellent. Um, so we've talked a little bit about like the challenges and the benefits and things like that, but uh, I want to talk about you know kind of get maybe a little more practical here for a second. So if if you are um, you know, planning on undertaking an ABM program, or any of the listeners out there planning on taking an, uh, uh, undertaking an ABM program, um, what are some of the important steps? I mean, I, I, we can talk a little bit about kind of in a chronological order. Um, I would assume first it's, you know, setting a goal or, so, or something of that sort. I mean, what are the crucial steps of, of ABM program? Well, the, the, I guess the first thing, and we, we've really um, touched on that, is you do, you have to set your goals and your objectives about what is it we're trying to achieve, and then that, and then and how I'm going to do it. So you have a strategy for how you're going to approach that, and that you've got your time, you know, allotted to that, and there's, it's a commitment. So that's the beginning, is just really knowing what we want to do and what we want to achieve and how we're going to go about it. So goals, I mean, it's more than just sales, right? Mm-hmm. Goals. You know, you can have a wide variety of types of goals. It, it can range from things like awareness to, um, you know, uh, penetration of a relationship. We've never been able to get in the door with this company before, for example. We've seen that before. You know, um, it could be to uh, initiate a certain percentage of opportunities within the organization, say RFPs, or it could be to initiate a percentage of deal size, say a larger project versus a smaller project, or even like we've seen with some of our clients getting in downstream. They've been able to sell one thing, say the tip of the spear, but they've not been able to get past the tip of the spear in that process. So, you know, thinking about goals, I think, is important from a very broad perspective, not just total sales or total number of accounts or total number of leads. Um, ABM tends to work better when it's it's more discreet in it in what it's going after in that process. Yeah. And, and and building on the, the the mention of goals, it's it's also aligning metrics with goals. Thinking about how do you encourage the appropriate behaviors among everyone that would be involved in facilitating an ABM strategy. Um, you know, supporting open lines of communication, which I, I touched on earlier, especially. Uh, in regard to all of the different teams, finance, operations, marketing, and sales, and and opening the avenue for collaboration. So that, again, ties back to very much an organizational planning approach. Uh, the goals come first, and then you also then identify your, your ABM leadership group. You think about sales where 
you know, the expectations around leads and how sales work would need to be considered. Uh, marketing, you know, the leaders can help draft new uh, benchmarks for measurement and operations, how they'll start thinking about the marketing tech stack you mentioned. Everything comes into play, even as I mentioned, the finance department, getting on board with them and, and determining how the spend and financial planning goes ahead to get an ABM strategy up and running. Right. So, you know, what really is articulating there is you have your goals for how you're going to measure your program and everything, but there's, this is a change management piece. You're changing the culture of your company. You're changing the way people work. You're bringing all these people in. And so there's, you know, there's ways to do that, but it needs to be very intentional and very purposeful. You know, going through that list of stakeholders that Jared just mentioned and figuring out what is their role, why is this important to them, and being able to communicate that and get everybody on board at the beginning. And that's a piece that's often missed, but um, really understanding how you manage change is really important. I think the vast majority of sales organizations that we see don't have defined sales processes or even sales steps. And so when you talk about change management, the change can be simply aligning that Mm -hmm. and getting everybody to agree to do it one way when in the past, you know, the multiple personalities of the various rock star salespeople do it their own unique way. But that's not scalable to an organization. Mm-hmm. You know, it's limited to that individual. And so for these teams to work together, sometimes it starts with just understanding the change occurs at the base of just creating a fundamental agreement and an alignment of how things could work or should work, mm-hmm. you know, long before you even get into the program itself of implementation. So, yeah, and and one piece here that um, I think you know we did a good job of addressing. Want to make sure we have the goals and, and what's going to drive. Like, what are we striving for? What, and making and Jared, you mentioned making them measurable, but it's also I think an important part of it is measuring. Is is making sure that we're we're measuring the effectiveness of uh, our ABM effort and um, allowing that to um, to dictate or or at least inform future um, efforts. Definitely, I think I think a a key a, a key start to measurement or understanding measurement is the fact you need to do it prior to starting an ABM initiative and after. When it comes to before, if you can set measurement criteria for your marketing efforts, um, you'll be much better placed to track growth created from prior marketing initiatives. Think along the lines of reviewing current conversion rates and web analytics. Um, to figuring out the percentage of site visitors that fall into your target account list. That, that kind of comes at the before an ABM strategy. I mean, it might be, you know, like we talked about deal size, but it could also be collapsing a sales cycle, for example. You know, uh, we see all the time that, sa- uh, that sales cycles can often take too long, especially in professional service businesses or large complex businesses that require RFP processes. Um, you know, so you're, that's why I said early on that you have to think broadly about the kinds of things that you want to measure in this process besides just the end game of a single sale. And when it comes to measuring post-ABM strategy or activity, you need to really think about how your marketing efforts are performing, how you're progressing with regard to wider sales and corporate objectives, and how you're prioritizing efforts and 
what variables might need to change as a result. So that's where the, you know, Jonathan has rightly, rightly outlined a lot of the, the pre-ABM initiative measurement basis, and, and then those are ser- several of the ones you can focus on for after. Okay. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much. Uh, I think this is really helpful, and this kind of gave us a good baseline for, um, you know, what to expect out of an ABM program, what to expect if, if you're considering an ABM program. So uh, we'll let you guys get back to your regularly scheduled day. So uh, thanks for stopping by. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having us. And that concludes this week's discussion on Solving for B. Subscribe and rate the show on Apple Podcasts or Google Play and help spread the word. You can also head to brandextract.com and discover additional insights across the branding and marketing spectrum. We'll see you next time for another installment of Solving for B with Brand Extract. Mm-hmm.